Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett. My passion for football and pushing boundaries has helped me to create a successful business using the same performance building principles of the world's best players. Through my Move the Ball book, workshops, and consulting work, I've used the same system to help thousands of people to think and execute like a pro athlete when it comes to business and branding. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize those tools and strategies to elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. So get ready. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, everyone. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball movement for quite some time, welcome back. I am glad that you are here with us today. As you all know, on this podcast, we talk about business, branding, sports, and of course, how to move the ball. Two things before we get into today's episode. If you haven't already done so, be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to it at so that you never miss an episode. And also, if you have not yet joined the five-day virtual networking challenge, be sure you do that today by clicking the link in the show notes. Yes, it is free, and it's one way that you can be on your way to moving the ball because we know that your network is how you create opportunities and get to do amazing things in business and in life. All right, for today's episode, I have an awesome guest with us, someone who has a wealth of experience. I'm excited to have him share his insights and his perspectives. Inside the huddle with us today and ready to help us to move the ball is Pat Sertan. Pat is a retired NFL player who was a cornerback in the NFL for 11 seasons, and he was a three-time pro bowler during his NFL career. He played college football at Southern Mississippi, and he was drafted by the Miami Dolphins in the second round of the 1998 NFL draft. During Pat's professional football career, in addition to playing for the Dolphins, he also played for the Kansas City Chiefs for four years. Currently, Pat is the head football coach at American Heritage School in Florida, which we will also talk about on the show. Pat? Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Been a long time coming. Yes, I know. We've talked about this for a while, so I'm so excited to have you here as part of season three of the Move the Ball podcast. So on the show, I love to get perspectives from people about what they've taken away from the game of football that they feel are, what I'll say, the critical qualities or critical habits needed to be successful both in the sport as well as in business and in life. I mean, my listeners know that in my book, Move the Ball, I share my thoughts on what I think are really important that I've taken away from football. But I want to get from you, what are some of those lessons that you have taken away from being a player at the highest level, as well as from coaching that you pass on not only to your kids, your children, but the players that you coach? Probably the most important thing is commitment. You have to be committed to, to whatever you do, whether it's in business or in when I'm going out, which is coaching high school football, you got to be committed to the cause. You got to be committed to your athletes. You got to be committed to a higher purpose. And if you don't have that, especially at the, the highest level, then you're not going to last long. And it, it trickles down to the high school level. Commitment to just stay motivated. And you got to preach team because, you know, in the sport that we in, you, you can't do it by yourself. You have to count on other guys. And it's the same thing in the business world. You can't do it by yourself. You have employees or you're working with people. So team has to be strong. And that's why I try to take to the kids, you know, while I'm coaching. Great lessons. Very, very important commitment, as well as 
the team, the importance of the team. So you played college football for the Golden Eagles and your son, Pat, played college at Alabama. Roll Tide. My listeners know that I am also a Bama alum. So got to say that Roll Tide whenever I can. I would love to get your thoughts on how playing college football during your experience is different than your son's. We know the game has changed, but also just the way it operates as a business has also changed. So talk to us about your experience and then how was that different from Pat being at Alabama? Yeah, it's totally different. First and foremost, with social media, you know, the, the, the game has skyrocketed. I remember my signing day, I got the paper, I faxed it back, and that was it. Pose that something is now you have guys with shows pulling out hats and everything. But past that, well, when it started now, it's, it's basically free agency in college football. A player could, could jump in the transfer portal and be at another school the next week. A school that's in the same conference. And obviously with the, the NIL monies and, and, and all of that, you know, it's totally changed. It basically has become a business. When I play, it was amateurism. But now with the, with the rules that have passed, guys are basically professional athletes in, in the way it's working. And another aspect is just practices. <laughs> I remember at Southern Miss, we used to have like 10 straight two-a-days. I don't think these guys are, are able to do that. It, it's regulated now. So the game has definitely changed with the rules, the targeting penalties, just everything. It's swayed towards the caution of the players, which is a good thing. And you don't want to take physicality out of football because at the end of the day, it is a physical sport. It's a combat sport. But so many things have changed, some for the better and some not for the better. But we'll see how it goes. But I think the NCAA has to do something with things that's going on because is basically causing an unfair advantage in, in college football. We'll talk more about you coaching at the high school level in a little bit, but what do you, since we're talking about how college football has changed in this business and NIL, what are some of the things that you talk to about your high school players as they're getting ready to prepare for being a college football player? Yeah, we preach to them first and foremost that th- this college football thing isn't for everybody. And even before the NIL, when I played, it was basically a job because you, you're, you're waking up at six, your day is not over to 10. And you have to do that continuously each and every day. So if you're not prepared for that, waking up at six, uh, working out, going to class, meetings, practice, if you're not prepared for that and putting your all into that, then you're not going to make it in college. So we try to give them similar scenarios in high school that that will prepare them for that life. And also, like I say, be be a coachable player. Be a coachable player especially at our school, because we have so many big-time guys that's going power five, just know that they're bringing a guy in to replace you each and every year. So you have to be a guy that, that's willing to put in the work, be relentless in, in what you're after, and go after it. And hang in there. You know, things are not going to be peachy and cream, you know, each and every day, but you got to stick it out. For the most part, our guys have done that. That's great. And I know you mentioned that you've got guys going power five. You also have a number of kids that are being drafted as well into the NFL. So it's a continuation. It's more of a business at the NFL level. I mean, college is becoming that way to your point with NIL and everything that's going on now. But once you hit the NFL level, it's your job. It's your day to day. It's your livelihood. It's very much a business that kids need to be prepared for, because I feel like back in the day, it was more about just playing ball versus the business of the NFL. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And I think coaches are, are doing a better job of really talking to the, the kids about the business level because you, you see in, in pro sports, so many pro athletes are going broke because no one has probably talked to them about when you come into all this money and how to allocate it and 
things to watch out for on the red flags. And there's way more money in today's game than it was back then when I played. So, you know, guys have to be cognizant of, of the business aspect of it. Probably not more than the football aspect because the football is your main thing, but you, you have to know how to how to take care of your money. And like I said, college coaches have been really good at that lately. And some colleges even got classes on it, you know, bringing people in to educate the the, the college kids on what it's going to take to get to that next level and, and maintain what you've earned. Right. So let's talk about you playing in the NFL. Talk to us, go back to your rookie season. As you transitioned from college ball to the National Football League, what was that transition like for you? And looking back on your rookie season, what were some of the things that you wish you had known or someone had told you about going into that year? I remember my rookie year. It was crazy because I came into minicamp and I had like 10 interceptions in the like a weekend minicamp. So I'm like, okay, this NFL thing is not too bad. You know, I, I can compete. I, especially coming from a school like Southern Miss, and even though I was taken in the second round, you know, it wasn't that major university. So, you know, I always had that chip on my shoulder that I, I can play with, with anybody. My talent is good enough to play with anybody. I went in my rookie year and proved it. And but I think my coming to Jesus moment in the NFL was, it was a preseason game. I'm talking about I had perfect coverage, just – on top of the receiver, and the guy went up and caught the ball on me. And at that point in time, I was like, okay, this isn't college. This is the best of the best athletes in the world. And even though, you know, you, you can have perfect coverage, those quarterbacks are going to put the ball where only their guys could get it. So a few adjustments, you know, here and there, and obviously it turned out well for me. I was able to play 11 years, but the rookie year is one that was special. Got to go up against a, a whole bunch of Hall of Famers throughout my career and, and compete at the highest level against them and, and held my own. Not only held my own, but pretty much dominated some of them. So it was good, man. Good time in the NFL. And, uh, learned a lot. And as you know, I mean, it's very difficult to play cornerback. They say it is one of the hardest positions, if not the hardest position to play in the NFL, depending on who you ask, of course. And you had an 11-year career, definitely longer than the average NFL career. What is it that you did to keep you competitive and being able to extend your time in the NFL? Like you said, just, just being professional about it going in each and every day and putting a hard hat on and, and, and going to work, going to work, getting better, doing things in the off season to get better, studying your opponent. That that was my thing. I, I think you know, I wasn't a four, three guy. I wasn't six, two, but I knew my opponent. I knew the cerebral part of the game. I, I knew what was coming before I actually came. That allowed me to make plays. I was also, I can play corn. I can play nickel. So I was versatile. So coaches knew that, they can trust in me and, and put me at different positions and it would be beneficial to the team. So doing it, like I said, being professional about it, studying your opponent, obviously just going out there and use the, the God-given abilities that, that's been given to you. And that's what happened throughout my career. And your son, Pat, just finished his rookie season with the Denver Broncos as drafted in the first round, top 10 draft pick. What kind of advice did you give him as he was looking to go into the league and things that he needed to be aware of, things he needed to watch out for, just things that would be good for a young man starting this new journey, this new chapter to know about? Similar to mine, you know, through my experiences, I learned if you go in there, even though you're, you're a top draft pick, the draft happens every year. So if you're not producing at a high level, I've seen first round draft picks get cut, probably not that high, but it's a production business. Point blank, bottom line, if you're not producing, then you're not going to last in the league. So the, my, my advice was for him, so first of all, be yourself. God, God has given you 
so much ability. And if you knew Pat, you knew that he's serious about what he's doing. He's been a pro ever since high school. You can tell that's just the mentality, the way he carries himself. You talk to all his college coaches, they'll tell you the same thing. You talk to his coaches in the league now, they'll tell you that. So he's all about his business. He knows where he wants to get. He wants to be great. He's eating right. He doesn't drink, doesn't smoke. So he's serious about where he wants to get in this game and where he wants to leave this mark. Obviously, he had a tremendous rookie year, and I'm looking for him to only get better from this point on. So when you look back at your NFL career, 11 years in the league, most of that with the Dolphins and then transitioning to Kansas City, with the Dolphins organization, that was your initial experience into the National Football League. What was that like for you being a member of that organization? They obviously had a great defensive team while you were there as well. Talk to us about your experiences playing for the Dolphins. It was awesome. Uh, obviously, Starting off with Jimmy Johnson, who's one of the best coaches to ever do it. He drafted me. And like you said, just, just being part of defensive unit that's probably going to have two Hall of Famers on it, some borderline Hall of Famers, some all pros. I played with Sam Madison on the other side, who had a tremendous career, is now coaching the secondary in Kansas City. Obviously, Jason Taylor, who's in the Hall of Fame. Zach Thomas, who's on the cusp of getting in. I think he should be in already. Terrell Buckley. Rod Marion, just Tim Boynes, just a whole plethora of guys who went out there and laid it on the line, you know, each and every Sunday. That's that's the thing about the NFL. You remember the games and all that, but most important, you remember the relationships. You remember the locker room. And, and that's what it's all about, just those conversations in the locker room, the laughs, the, the cries, you know, after tough losses. Those are the things that you remember the most. And, and for the most part, some of those guys, all my friends to this day are probably going to be friends for life. So the camaraderie of that locker room, that, that's what you really miss. Absolutely. Yeah, there's definitely some bonds that you build there that you don't get in the corporate setting for sure. And then when you transition to play for the Chiefs, so every team has their organization, their style, and their culture. How is the culture different going from the Dolphins to the Chiefs? It was different. Just the location, going from Miami to Kansas City, the, the weather changed. Obviously, the Chiefs had a good team, and they made me – I don't know if I was the highest-paid players, but one of the highest-paid. And with that comes uh, added responsibility. You know, I went up there with a, a goal in mind to, to be that guy who could turn the defense around. Because if you remember, the Chiefs offense had been rolling with Trent Green, and they had the best offensive line. They had Tony Gonzalez, Priest Holmes, Larry Johnson, all those guys. So they had the weapons on offense, but they couldn't stop anybody. I was figured to be one of those pieces to help try to bring it together. Didn't pan out. I thought I played well there. There was a lot of turnover with Dick Vermeule, then Herm Edwards. The team was trying to go in a different direction. But enjoying my time there, man, the, the fans are tremendous. And it was a different transition, like I said, because you're going into a new situation. You're trying to bring that mentality from your old team there. And it, it just did, didn't pan out. But like I said, Played well there, had a great time, still friends with, with a bunch of those guys on that team. And glad to see the Chiefs are doing what they've been doing the last five years. They've been playing tremendous football. Yeah, it's been incredible to see just every year they're doing great things. So as you look back on your career, what was the most memorable game for you? Oh, man, had a bunch of them. One that stands out would probably be the playoff game when we played Indianapolis. And they, they came here. We beat him a last second touchdown. Uh, Lamar Smith actually broke the run for like 40 yards and scored. 
the games just mean more in the playoffs. And tremendous team, obviously, to win that playoff game in the fashion that we did it. Probably the most memorable. Also, we played the Oakland Raiders. Both of us were like 7-1. It was a big, big-time game during the regular season. I, I had the game-winning interception against the greatest wide receiver that ever played, Jerry Rice. And I actually have that picture. We held those guys down pretty good when they were torching the rest of the league. You know, our defense shut them down. So that, that was another game that sticks out. And one to have a picture framed for sure. So you can remind yourself of that incredible, incredible play. And it was one hand. Yeah. Very nice. So let's discuss your transition. So there comes a point in every player's career where it's time to hang up the cleats. So how was that transition for you? Some people do it more smooth for them. Others struggle to try to figure out what's next in their career. How was your experience? I had a few more years in me, but the body told me otherwise. You know, my last year in the league was trouble. Hurt my shoulder, tore my quad, my groin, just a lot of injuries that happened. And when I did decide to hang it up, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. But obviously I had a son and he had to start playing little league football when he was five in Kansas City. So when I left Kansas City, I kept my home down in South Florida. So we moved back to South Florida. And naturally, if you have a kid that's playing sports, you're going to get involved in it. And eventually started that level, just, just me going out there. And then me being this crazy parent and saying, man, these coaches don't know what they're doing. I'm, I'm going to help. I'm going to go join. And <laughs> then become the head coach of, of his team. And he had been going to the school since kindergarten. So I was familiar with the program. So joined American Heritage at that time. You know, as a, as a DB coach, just it's something that I don't think I want to do. But throughout the years in Little League, I just got you know, involved in it and I, I liked it. And obviously, when that coach left, I, when Coach Mike Rump left, I got elevated to be the head coach. And it was just that time where, where Pat was entering high school. It was a great experience just able to, to lead young men, mold minds at that, that age. And then the most important thing. Seeing those kids go off to college, you know, not only become successful football players, but successful men, and then bring it back to the community and be successful men in the community, that's, that's the greatest drive that I, I have guys come back and say, thanks, Coach, man, for the lessons that, that you've taught. You know, it made me a better man. And some of these guys own businesses. Obviously, we have guys in the league, but that's the, the joy and the fulfillment I get out of coaches to see those guys become successful human beings. Yeah, it's definitely a rewarding feeling. I mean, as a coach myself, the impact that you kept to make on other people is why you do it. I mean, as a football coach, obviously you want them to be better football players, but it's bigger than just football. It's about what are you going to do to be, to your point, human being, your character, what you do outside of football in life and business and how you move the ball and become a productive member of society and really do good things in the world. Absolutely. But let's not get it twisted. Football does matter. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, sir. It does matter. We were able to win five state championships, finish number two in the country one year. So we were successful on that field. <laughs> Absolutely. That is important as well. So let's talk about being a coach is very different than being a player. There are skills that you use to be a player to be successful. And there are other skills that make you a great coach. In your mind, when you look back at all the coaches that you've had, that you kind of hold up in high regard as great leaders from a coaching standpoint, what is it that you think are the important skills to have to coach, whether it's at the high school level, in college or pro? I think just relating to your players, going on each and every player, and most importantly, being a teacher. I never was one of these coaches that yell at the kids and cuss them out and do all that. I would rather 
teach them. Obviously, I play at the highest level, and sometimes you get caught up in kids should know as much as you know, but realistically, they, they don't. So you got to be patient with them. You got to treat each of them differently. You got to you got to delve into them. You got to call them to the office and just just say how they going. Be that person that's not only a coach, but somebody that can come to and talk about anything, you know, in life. Obviously, you have to be stern with them, but you have to be stern enough to put your ego at the door and listen to these kids. A lot of coaches don't want to listen, even at the high school level. If you listen to these kids, they, they'll give you some valuable lessons. And I found that's been real, really beneficial to me, you know, listening to these kids and trying to find out different things outside of football. We do enough football. We're on the field when we train it with them. It's basically become a 12-month thing. So the other things that, that you can, you know, find out about them, I think that's really important. Sure. And I find it so interesting as you look, well, I spend a lot of time just observing people, assessing, just kind of looking at how people conduct themselves as well as what they pick up on and their personalities. And as you look at kids today, they are so much smarter and aware of life and things that go on than when we were kids, when when our parents were kids. I think technology and social media helps with that because they have access to information, but they pick up on life things and lessons. And so to your point, I mean, just talking to kids, and in young men, I mean, even with the younger athletes that I work with, and when I do a path to the draft series on this show, just hearing some of the things that they talk about and the maturity that they have at such a young age nowadays, it's incredible. I'm never the one that, you know, get off my lawn. We've done it better than y'all. Like I said, you, you have to listen to these kids because they do provide valuable insight about what's going on today. And you don't know it all, but these kids are they're smart. They have so much at their feet now and know so much more. You have to listen to them. I found that to be successful in my teaching. Sure. And so let's talk about social media for a second, because that's played a huge part in visibility for kids, as well as kids getting to build brands and help to craft their future, not only from a college scholarship standpoint, from a potential NFL career, but also just from business opportunities to be able to monetize their brand with NIL, for example, or just other things that they're doing as they continue on in life. What do you tell your kids about how to use social media effectively to position themselves for success as a professional? Yeah, obviously the sky's the limit with, with all of these platforms that they have. We use it for the right reason, especially high school kids going to college. I've talked to a bunch of colleges and they actually have a department that monitors the kids' social media. So if you're on social media doing these crazy things, using this foul language, listening to music, have things in the background, illegal things in the background. Some some college coaches aren't even looking at you. So use it to, to your advantage. It can be it can be huge for you. Also, it can be to your disadvantage if you don't use it the right way. And I always took, I know Coach Hermel was his favorite saying. One of his favorite saying was, don't press sin. Because once you hit sin, it's out there forever. And if it's not, if it's some bad, then they can follow you for the rest of your life. So, like I said, use it to your disposal because it does help with a, a lot of things, but also know that it can be detrimental to you if you don't use it correctly. Absolutely. So as competitive athletes, we're always looking at how we can improve. It's always, you know, me versus me and how can I get that 1% better? And so as the head coach of the American Heritage School football program, you're also looking at how can I take my football program to the next level and how can I be a better coach? So 
two-part question, but same theme is what are you doing to improve or to get better as a coach? And what's next for the football program to take that to the next level? I think me, I never stopped learning. You know, even though I've been to the highest level and played at the highest level, you can never stop learning, especially at, in the position I'm in. So I try to go as, as, to as many seminars and, and as many things possible to talk to some of the top coaches like the Nick Sabins and you know, the Kirby Smarts, those guys who've been to that pinnacle Dabo. You know, we have a pretty good relationship. So just bouncing things off of those guys to, to see how they do it since they've done it at the highest level. Just go from there. You always could get better. I try not to stay stagnant, try to read some books to, to help me in that process. And like I said, once you come to grips that you don't know it all and you always could get better at your craft and you always learn, then you have a better opportunity to get better. But if you're one of those guys that, that think you know it all, then that's when you stay stagnant, become worse. And as far as my team getting better, I think the more you empower the kids, I think a locker room that's run by the players it is more conducive to winning than a coach have to go in there all the time and, and tell the kids, you know, what to do. A player-led locker room leads to some of your best teams, and that's what I'm trying to get the players to recognize. I think for the most part, we, we start working out, you know, as soon as the season was over, and I think those guys are getting it. They're starting to see it. And obviously, you got to have players. Players win the games. You have all the coaches you want, but if you don't have good players, and I know in this realm of, the transfer portal and, and high school kids jumping from school to school. I think what I've learned this year is I would rather have guys that's been in my program three or four years and develop those guys than to go, go out and get a kid for one year because, you know, those guys are bought into it. They, they bought into the program. They know what it takes to win. And, you know, that, that's the message to the team going forward. And I guess one thing I want to mention too on the show for people to know, we talked earlier about how you have a number of kids that go to the NFL. I mean, just this past year alone in the current draft class, I think you guys had six guys go in the 2021 draft. So you've got a great program already. So it's really about just incrementally making it better, but you already have very strong program there. Yeah, it was remarkable because if you look at our program, we don't have the 80 and 90 man roster. We have 40 to 45 kids. And to put that number of kids in the NFL and to put that number of kids in college every year, you know, I tell, like I tell, I tell a kid, I tell a parent, it's not the norm, it's the exception. It's the exception to, to do it at that high level because only a certain percentage of the kids make it on to play college football. But we're at 99, 98% of our kids go on and play college football, which is unprecedented. And it's one thing in, in coaching the kid, but to see the kid get to the next level, then ultimately the highest level as a coach, you cannot, you know, ask for anything else. And for the most part, most of our kids are good young men. Football will take you far in life, but like I tell them, humility will take you further. And I think all our kids have that and uh, they possess that throughout their lives. Absolutely. So, Coach, let us know where can people follow the football program, follow you, and stay connected to all the great things that you're doing. On Instagram, I'm, I'm P Sertan. So that's P S U R T A I N at P Sertan. On Twitter, I'm P Sertan23. P Sertan23 on Twitter. And our athletics program is AH Athletics on Twitter. Perfect. And we will have all of those in the show notes so people can follow you, can follow the football program and all the wonderful things that you continue to do. So what I want to do now is take you through my two-minute drill and ask you some fun questions. Are you ready? 
Let's do it. All right. First question is, when you were 10 years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? Honestly, I want to be a football player. <laughs> what three words would you use to describe yourself? Humble, committed, relentless. Great three words. What is one thing that most people don't know about you? Oh, man, I'm a great karaoke singer. Oh, very good. If you had one intro song played at all of your public appearances, what would that one song be? Probably bring them out. Okay. Next question is, what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? My guy, Derek Mason, who was the head coach at Vanderbilt, things just went to Oklahoma State. He, he told him about this book, Relentless, by Tim Grover, who used to train Michael Jordan. So I'm in a process of, of reading that one. And I love the podcast with Ryan Clark, The Pivot. Channing Crowley with my boy Fred Taylor, who's one of my guys. So they do a tremendous job on it. I know it just started, but I've been into that. It's it's hilarious. Yes, yes, they do a fantastic job. And Ryan Clark is an awesome guy. I was just messaging with him a couple of days ago. Yeah, shout out to them. They do a fantastic job. That's my homeboy from New Orleans. That's right. Yes, he went to Shaw. Yep. All right, next question is, you are hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people, living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? Oh, man, I'll invite Martin Luther King Jr. Obviously for, for what he's meant you know, to this world, to this country, to, to the black community. Probably Michael Jordan, who's probably my favorite athlete of all time. Obviously, he's for himself, man, but a huge, huge Mike fan. And the third one... Probably Steph. <laughs> Good choice, too. Great conversation at dinner, for sure. Last question is, do you sing in the shower? I sing in the shower. My vocals are pretty strong in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. All right. So before we close the show, I am going to ask you, because I like to ask my Bama boys on when they come on their thoughts on Nick Saban. As someone who has also been around Nick Saban, Pat playing at Alabama, what is it about Coach Saban in your mind that makes him so great? The word I use all the time, commitment. Commitment, his structure, is just, he has the juice. You look at that guy, man, and the turnover that he has on his staff each and every year, the players who go first round each and every year, and to do it consistently year after year after year, it's unbelievable. I don't think a, another program could survive you know, those changes and be at the top year after year. And he, he does it with the best of them. So I, I truly think he's the best college coach to ever do it. He absolutely is. And for those that some people know on the show, because I mentioned it earlier in the season, some people who may be listening for the first time don't know that I went to Alabama specifically for Alabama football. So definitely he has a culture of excellence. He knows what he's doing and he's doing something right. Well, Pat, thank you so much for being on the show today. It has been a wonderful opportunity getting to speak with you and have you share your insights with our listeners. Jen, thanks for having me. Like I said, it's been a long time coming. Finally, I was finally able to get on the show. Well, we are glad that you are here with us today as well. And thank you to everyone for listening to today's episode. If you do find our show to be of value, please share it with some of your friends, colleagues, coworkers, family, who you think might be interested in how they can move the ball as well. And we will talk to you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball in your business, with your brand, or your career, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. 
Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.